0: Saul, do you uh, make it out to Utah much? Not as often as I'd like. I think you should check it out. I think you'd dig Provo. I think mm. you could do very well there.
1: i will look into it.
0: Like my fathers before me, I am here once more to start This Week in Mormons. For all of you, the dear listeners, my name is Jeff Openshaw. Jeffrey, to those of you who know me well or want to reprimand me, I'm joined this week by Josie Gleave. Hello, Josie.
1: Hi, Jeff. How's it going?
0: I'm super. How are you doing? Pretty good.
1: Loving our little life of isolation. I'm wondering how it's different for you in D.C.
0: Um, Can you
1: go and walk around? Is it only leaving for essentials? Are you... uh
0: Well, yeah, it depends on your jurisdiction. I'm in Virginia. So, while I'm in D.C., I'm in Virginia, which is not D.C. or Maryland. Those are all different states for all intents and purposes. Thank you Um, for that. I just wanted to let you know how that works. Yes. uh we're not under i don't think you're going to get a ticket or anything but they're basically they've issued the order to basically you stay home unless you're going out for yeah essential just for food or doctor's appointments or whatever else um i don't think virginia has been crazy restrictive on what's deemed essential but it has not been quite as loose as places like arizona that had golf courses and hairdressers as essential services or what I just saw this today in the news, Florida, which has deemed professional wrestling an essential business activity.
1: Oh, wow. Be-
0: because Florida always delivers in the clutch. Always. They always... Like, it's that's the most Florida thing, to have your essential service be professional wrestling. Of course it was Florida. Of course it wasn't Iowa or Wyoming. Gross. Of course, Wyoming probably doesn't have a single arena, but you know what I mean. It's Florida. So bless them. So anyways, we're fine on our end. Uh, just, you know. I, I go out on my uh either my basically bi weekly grocery runs, which are pretty hardcore, and we bring them back and like wash everything and disinfect boxes and go the whole go the whole mile. Oh
1: wow. Yeah. That's
0: intense. We're not well, we're not taking any chances. I mean, like we like when Kurt was on here a couple of weeks ago, you know, we talked about he and I are both expecting kids. He got his kid is due like immediately. Mm. Um and, that, you know, when you got a baby on the way, not, worth the you're risk. not you're not taking any chances, not for you or your other kids or your pregnant wife or anything like that. So maybe I'm doing and we're being way more absurd about it all than we even need to be. But that's that's how it's going to be. I'd rather just keep my family safe. So, yeah. How are uh, there? Yeah. Been,
1: it's been how interesting seeing like the different states respond and then also just different countries around the world, especially on what's been considered essential services in different places. Um, like Singapore, our hairdressers are still open, but the one that really shocked me is that we closed psychologists and, um, psychiatric clinics as if that was not an essential service. It's not essential. You don't, you don't need it. Oh dear. That one, that one really got me of, okay. Haven't really stamped out that stigma here and haven't really acknowledged that that's an area that people are going to be suffering. So can get your haircut though can get your hair cut
0: so uh, now to my knowledge though the singapore government has been mostly lauded for their efforts to control the outbreak is that correct mostly
1: lauded um i think i i've seen some criticism by some singaporeans who now like live overseas and have since left and some of whom have no intention of coming back so they feel like it's now free game to kind of share their actual thoughts um yeah i would say in general though a lot of the singaporeans here seem to um very much trust and have a lot of confidence in their government and the way that it's reacting to this um but there's still i think quite a bit of work to be done i don't know like we get very very good communication from them um But I don't know what the plan going forward is, except that we're just sort of on a stricter lockdown than we have been for a month. And um, but our numbers of spread have been higher than they have before. So that's a little bit disconcerting. A lot of it seems to be coming from the foreign worker dormitories. Um, So we'll see. Hopefully that that stops spreading because that's just essentially like thousands of foreign men sitting around in bunk areas and it's just spreading like wildfire so yeah like there's no ability for them to really be able to quarantine so um i think they're working on that trying to figure out okay how do we how do we cut down on that anyways we said hello and then jumped immediately into the virus which is probably what everyone's tired of (laughs) that's
0: our life right now yeah it's um yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about the U.S. lifting the restrictions on like May 1st because everyone's so worried the economy is going to disappear. Yeah. Which I haven't I yes, it is not great for the economy, but I don't think this is like a typical recession or depression that's driven by pure market forces and stuff goes wrong. It's not like a crash in 2008. True. It's just that we had to hit the pause button on everything. I'm sure if, the vi- if everyone came out and said, guys, the virus miraculously just died globally, mm. everyone would say – Re- rejoice and just go right back to work, and stores would open and people would spend money. I don't think it would be quite the same. So I think
1: that's most, but it fair. still hurts.
0: It hurt. It hurts, yeah. and I'm extremely, uh, I'm extremely aware of the fact that I'm lucky. I have a job that lets me just telework, and it's not that big of a deal. Whereas there are many other people who are not in such a position to continue to receive income during a time like this. You know, even if you get a stimulus check or whatever. So that that's. That's what's very tough. As a ward, we've been trying to keep an eye on that, you know, for anybody in our ward who might be far more adversely affected, Uh, for example. Like, we're having weekly reporting to the stake just on everyone's situation with the virus and stuff like that. So, that's what we're trying to do. How's your stake been reacting anyway? Are you guys uh, having any kind of of devotionals too? Anything else going on?
1: We only had one on on Sunday, this past Sunday, we had a little virtual face-to-face with our state presidency and they kind of did a bit of a Q&A as well. But honestly, most of the questions in the Q&A were similar to um, when can we, you know, do more virtual face-to-faces or can our wards still hold sacrament meeting or you know even if it's virtually um, and yeah. a lot of that stuff has all just the state presidencies left that up to the bishop's discre- digression so like ours has not done much of anything we've just kind of said churches canceled and um if you're really concerned about the sacrament talk to your bishop about it and he may give permission for you to go ahead and do that within your own family um but for the most part um, we haven't really done much of it, anything else. There's been, you know, I, I sort of hear through the rumor mill of some people, um, throughout the U S wanting to continue on with young men's or young women's kind of classes or Sunday schools or everything, which that is, is virtually, which is
0: good. If you, yeah, want it's to, nice, right? but like
1: for, for us, at I guess our word, we've just kind of like, look, you know what? No,
0: <laughs> not right now. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> well, I, I've, I've seen a mix about that. Like I was talking to a lot of people in a, in a Facebook group about some of this this week. Like what's the best course of action? Because I believe there's – I understand every desire to try to maintain continuity in your ward to keep sort of pushing messaging or, or offering Sunday messaging of some kind because you don't want the ward to fall apart. Like I think the – despite the fact ward members are very capable of handling home-centered church and teaching their families as they need to teach them, which I think they are. I understand a leader is concerned that like it's just the, the notion of the ward family, the cohesiveness just – just completely dissolves if we don't have enough interaction. So I get that argument, but I was amazed how many people said, like, we've just been kind of doing our home-centered church and just letting ministers do their thing and checking in. Because yeah. in my mind, I was like, what I what I thought made the most sense, because when we this first hit, we were thinking a lot in bishopric meeting, like, what can we do? What do we want to do as far as messaging, as far as getting people involved? And in my mind, I was like, if you're worried about this, why not just treat it? Like it has been just if you had sacrament meeting planned in three weeks, like ask those people to give talks, just add the, ask them to record the talks and we'll just publish them on like a YouTube with a private link unlisted oh, and actually, we'll share, we, we have and we'll been share doing them with the word. Yeah. Why not do that? And I think that approach could make sense. I've, my, my big issue is like massive zoom meetings for a devotional that it doesn't like there's so many barriers to entry to make something like zoom secure when all you're doing is sitting and watching, if it's a lesson, like you said for young men and young women, then yes, you want something that's teleconferencing. But if you're just like sharing talks, just record the dumb thing and that's well, not dumb. I'm sorry. Rep- report <laughs> record the wonderful remark, the
1: wonderful thing,
0: and just put them on YouTube or do a live stream on Facebook if your ward has a Facebook group. That those could be the good things. I don't know. It's still it's funny how we're navigating this. I think by the time we get it down, we'll actually be able to go back to church. So. And then I'm not going to want to go back to church. I don't want to go back to church, and I don't want to go back to work. What the I want guys? the freedom to go other places, you know, for leisure activities. Such as? Just just life, leisure, you know, walking around the park. Chick-fil-A, it would be delightful to go into Chick-fil-A and absorb their ambience. Don't give me these looks, Josie. Sorry. Chick-fil-A is a, nas- is a national treasure in the United States. You may have drunken the expat Kool-Aid. Or you guys get really psyched about a Shake Shack opening in your airport. But we here in the United States know that Chick-fil-A is the food that the divine wants us to have, unless you live out West, in which case that is supplanted by In-N-Out Burger. But otherwise, I don't have that. So, you know, or Popeye's. I've yet to try the chicken sandwich. I still need to go there. I still need to have it. Just society. I
1: I have one simple phrase for you, Jeff, which is to eat meat sparingly.
0: I do. I I eat many birds.
1: You have the salad,
0: I'm sure. No, I'm just No, I I love a good salad. I love a good salad. I don't like to eat too much meat. We digress. So coronavirus, um, I love this headline here. So coming out of the church's United Kingdom newsroom, the headline reads, Missionaries Defy Coronavirus with Gospel Song. This is mostly about the headline. I think what they did is great. There's uh, two missionaries serving in Germany who, like, in separate rooms— did a German version of There is Sunshine in My Soul Today, in German. Uh, Both talented musicians playing classical guitar and singing along. I think it's super cool. They did all of this. That's awesome. I'm mostly just... And we can embed the video on our page. I'm mostly just laughing at the headline that the missionaries are defying coronavirus. Yeah, I definitely
1: thought that they did something wrong and ended up
0: with like
1: a major fine or something. I also love if you go through and read the little press release about it, there's this mention that one of the elders produces his own music, but they only yes. they have this horrible phrase. That's like, which is accessible through a download through a provider download and provider. a well-known <laughs> video platform, but they won't tell you which one because they don't want to look like the church is promoting it. That was my favorite part beyond the headline.
0: So basically you can buy his music on iTunes and watch it on YouTube. Is or maybe what it's assuming.
1: Spotify, or maybe it's just like SoundCloud. I have What's no idea what version. Justin, is like well, Justin
0: known. Warnick. Let's look for him on YouTube real quick. Josie vamp for a bit while I do some research here. Uh, Justin uh, uh, Warnick. Okay. Oh boy, he has sixty subscribers and twenty-eight videos. He has an original song called Your Love. <laughs> oh, oh boy, it's moving. Oh no! You can't hear it right now. Oh, he's doing good things. He has a new album. This is probably a beach, breach of copyright if you were to play
1: it on the air. Like, I don't I think, think maybe I you can think, get up to like 10 seconds.
0: Okay, one, Elder Warnick is on his mission, so he's not tracking any of this, or he'd better not be. And, and two, I don't think his music's copyrighted. I I'm think sure it's my it's music, and I wrote music. it. Anyway, I love that he just, he def- they defied it. They defied coronavirus. Mm. Also, speaking of defying other coronavirus news, and unfortunately, amongst the many missionaries that returned home, uh, you know the church essentially life-flighted everybody internationally uh, back to the States. But one, Elder Caden Johansson, has come down with the coronavirus. Not the first, by any means. And unfortunately, his whole family has gotten sick with it. Uh, I'm assuming they actually came from Mexico, actually. He says he may have gotten it there. He was out in the field for 17 months. And of course, it's a hard time. And it's very hard to come back and find out now you're sick. Oh, good. You've given it to your family. And this is how things spread. Uh, The upside is this. Thankfully, he was not among those whose family congregated en masse in the parking garage at Salt Lake City International Airport, violating social distancing protocol. So at the very least, they picked him up correctly. They did the right thing in trying to take a a more austere approach to collecting their missionary. And yet they're the ones who suffer. They're the ones who are paying the price, which is life is just unfair, man.
1: It is unfair. I'm wondering to flash back a little bit to um, Good Friday. How did your personal Mm. fast or family fast go? I mean, obviously you've got little kids. How does that affect the fast? And yeah.
0: Okay. Tell me your thoughts uh, here on it was how one, that went. It was, it was one of the easiest fasts of my life mm. in the sense of like, you know, just the physical concept of fasting. I think <laughs> this is because usually when it's fast Sunday, it's a Sunday. So we have church if we go or if we're home. And then you're at your house for the most part, fasting until dinner or so wrestling kids taking care of stuff whereas when it's a weekday fast i'm just down here working like i'm doing my thing i'm not worried (laughs) basically i'm not worried about being parenting uh if it's a weekday fast so that part of it was easier but
1: wait why were you uh, working on good friday did we already have this discussion did you not get to take it as a public holiday
0: I, bl- I think I could choose to if I wanted. as like a, a f- flex religious holiday or something. But I just, I don't know. I've always worked on good. F- Should Why, I feel bad? if you have I feel the bad option,
1: now. would you take it? Why would you work?
0: Why would I take the day off when I can't go anywhere?
1: Uh, it was delightful. <laughs> we also, went for uh- a really long walk and then came home. We sat on our little sky deck and read books. And yeah, oh, it wasn't the, the most the thrilling. sky deck you Know what? Almost everyone that's has one scary. here, it's not that fancy. Um, and also, also, my, our you probably ha- have a backyard or a patio. Come on, that's essentially the same thing.
0: I also, since you really want to press me on this, I had to work because my boss decided to take two days off. So, oh, I had more response, I had other work responsibility. I couldn't take the well, day off. We have a situation means, where you if, get- if that. If that boss takes the day off, basically, I can't take the day off. So
1: That kind of sucks. Well, I hope he gets to take the the day in lieu, but the whole... The the
0: fast itself was good. I'm the only member of my family fasting from food, Mm. Um, but we let the kids try to fast for some things. For them, it was pretty much like uh, for my five-year-old, like he couldn't play on his little Kindle Fire or watch any of his like animal shows or this that and of course he was all eager he kept asking like because we told him basically once his younger brother took a nap maybe he could stop his fast but he was really good about it it was cute i mean wow, he started this fast with he started his fast with a prayer and then when it was time to be done and he could like watch one of his animal shows he said a little prayer and asked that the coronavirus could go away and uh did his thing so all in all it was uh
1: what was a good. sweetie guy for yeah. the win um, so we have two articles that we can link to that basically are just talking about how fasting was particularly meaningful, but then also um, there was a little bit of that added um, in that sort of criticism from maybe some of the rest of the Christian community that has been a bit surprised that suddenly now we're eager to jump on the Fast on Good Friday oh, boat.
0: We we led the charge. No one yeah. else has fasted before we just, just tipped it out and said, folks, join us. Mm. And said, they said, good idea, Mormons, good idea. Yeah, we're brilliant. We're in.
1: There was yeah. also a little bit of criticism, well, maybe not quite as strong as criticism, but this idea that maybe for us, Mormon, um between Mormons and fasting, that maybe the act of fasting can become a little too transactional. So we're sort of like a deposit in and blessing out, or that the emphasis on fasting for something, you know, instead of like, just fasting for the sake of worship. It was kind of an interesting idea because I, I could see where they were coming from. But also, you know, we are taught that you do want to fast or something. Otherwise, you're just kind of like sitting there hungry for not much of a purpose. I, I don't know. I was sort Which of what on yeah, this one. Yeah. But because um, I know that I'm sure that for more Christians um, besides us, it's more about the worship. And I know even like within Buddhism, like Buddha on his path to enlightenment fasted for like a seriously long period of time so that he could reach that further enlightenment. And it wasn't, but that was, I guess, still kind of seeking a greater spirituality, but it wasn't necessary that he was fasting for like, himself or his family or whatever it may be I don't know so I was a bit conflicted on this one of it you know this who is else meant to be about while?
0: Jesus Jesus
1: well yes but I yeah. mean with Buddha we've got statues all over the place with him like showing his ribs so that you can see just how like the the with, level of his Jesus, spirituality was like counted Jesus, in the number of ribs you could see
0: <laughs> yes but with Jesus you have being whisked away to the top of a temple and challenged to, to jump.
1: Yeah, that's pretty rough. I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds a little bit severe. I see your point.
0: rocks into bread, that whole thing, you know.
1: So, I don't know. I wasn't too sure what to think on that one. I think I'm not too upset about making my fast purposeful, and it doesn't really feel that transactional to me. I'm thinking if we could get something out of it, then great.
0: She also, Jana Reese, this is from Jana Reese, the article you're referring to. Um, she also wants us not just to be less transactional, but more mournful. And that kind of goes with focusing on like Christ's pain as well, which is, we don't do a lot of that as Latter-day Saints. We are all about the resurrected Lord, especially as evidenced by our new quote unquote symbol. And, uh, like we are, it is Thorvaldson for the win. That is what we do. We don't do crosses or things like that. We're not all about the passion. Um, so I think that's an interesting angle as well, but I... So we we don't want to be emo about it, but I think sometimes we could stand to set back and focus a bit on what the Savior has, like, truly gone through for us. You know, we don't have to take it to the same same extent as some of our fellow Christians, necessarily. That's fine for them. But, like, I get it. Maybe be more somber about it. I don't know. Especially the people who say, like, happy Good Friday, and you're like, oh, guys, the good in Good Friday – it's called Good Friday because it's a synonym or the translation for essentially Holy Friday. It's a it's a solemn day when we remember Jesus being crucified. It's not I've, like, Happy Good Friday! I don't oh, know if I've not...
1: ever heard anyone say that or ever, ever noticed.
0: Well, the President of the United States just did it last week. So
1: oh, Sorry, I haven't been cluing into that, clearly.
0: Well, we're leading the charge. Uh, so, I don't know, I'm with you on this. Let's field. move on. <laughs>
1: Um, Can we do some temple news? So we have, let's see.
0: Real quick on the fasting though. Okay, fasting. We mentioned it before, but I do want to stress this everybody because I saw this a lot last week. It wasn't just like like for my other Christian friends who were like, okay, like guys, we already fast. Like this is part of our faith and has been for a long time. There was a lot of hubris among Latter-day Saints where yes, we were acting as if we were leading a revolution in a worldwide fast. And while I was very grateful that we did that, I do think it sort of demonstrated some of the worst aspects of Latter day Saint culture where the exceptionalism that we often proffer just manifested itself in spades as we really acted like we were just like leading this singular charge, unprecedented in world history, to have a fast. And a fast is good. And I love that the prophet wanted us to do it. But let's just try to remember that our, like, Brothers and sisters, uh, kind of beat us to the punch on that one. That like our fast isn't necessarily better. Our fast isn't better, and and, yeah, I mean, you know, even President Nelson invited everyone not of our faith to fast, and it's like, yeah, there are there. You invited them to fast. They're already doing it. Well, he did invite them to fast for a very specific purpose. This is about coronavirus, which is good. But as far as like just fasting on in general on Good Friday, we're we're way behind the curve on that. Well, Anyways, I temples, think it was a good
1: day of unity. Yes, and so I believe you published this lovely little article on our website that shows the rendering of three of the new temples, um, all of which I have now forgotten and need to open the link. Um, no, there was one for Washington <laughs> County. <laughs> <Hold>. <laughs> uh, um, Washington County,
0: Washington. That's Washington County, Utah. County, and then yes, Utah. Then there's then there's Moses, Moses Lake, Lake, Washington State.
1: And where's the other one?
0: Tooele. Is that how you say that? Tooele oh, yes. Valley? Right. Uh, Josie, you have not Kay. spent enough time in Zion. But
1: I actually think that this one is a really um, quite cool design. That one and actually the, wa- the Washington State one I quite liked. They're both very, um, like we don't have a moroni on top. And it's looks quite nice i i like i'm a fan of moroni he can sit on top of as many temples as he wants um but i like that we kind of with the washington or no sorry the Tuola valley one you have kind of a little cupola thing going on and it looks sort of bronzy Mm -hmm. on top that little rooftop look i'm into that and the washington um state one has more like blue hues to it and I can't quite work out what exactly is on the top of it. It's sort of like a spire, but sort of bulbous at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Were you able to get pictures of that a little bit closer?
0: I mean, you can click on the picture. Can I? Actually, uh, you can well, No, enough. you can't. I, I disabled no. that. But. Um, and then the Washington
1: I, County one kind of looks like, like it looks really nice, but it doesn't necessarily look like something new or different. Not that that's it could a be, bad it could, thing. It, it,
0: that, that temple could be they could say this temple's being built in Brazil and you'd be like okay yeah. like it, there's nothing there's nothing distinctive about it
1: no
0: i have been but trying try and lovely. i agree with you i, I like it. i i don't know what's behind the lack of Moroni's because this is a big deal this especially the toilo one will be the first temple in utah we've had a lot of temples announced in utah recently This is the first one without a Moroni. Now, we haven't yet seen renderings for the temple in Orem or the one in Taylorsville or the temple they just announced in Syracuse this last conference. So we don't know how those ones will be. But what we do know is, unlike other newer temples that have yet to even be built, like Washington County, Utah, which has a Moroni, Layton, which has a Moroni, Saratoga Springs has a Moroni. This one does not. So and neither does the one down in um, over in Moses Lake in Washington State. So I've had a spreadsheet going for a while about like Moroni list temples, but I took some time to update it after conference. I'm trying to find, I'm just trying to find if there's like a common thread, like a clear indicator as to why. And at first it looked really good. It was like foreign temples. Every single one of them for a while was a foreign temple. But now we've got these two stateside ones that will not have a Moroni. So then it's like, mm-hmm. well, is it a square footage thing? And at first, in some ways, that might have made some sense. But the Tuella Valley Temple is about 70,000 square feet. So unless the cutoff is like, you know, 80,000 yeah, square feet or something. So I've yet to find basically what the, if there's any kind of a common thread. And well, we've, I've mentioned it here before, but just like, if I've tried contacting the temple department to get, Maybe the architect gets
1: idea. to make that call. I don't know.
0: No, well no, every temple design is approved by the first presidency. So maybe the architect well, yeah, but su- be- suggests it. And yeah. And they say, Sure, who cares? Morona's less important to us now anyway. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so there's also th- Oh sorry, go oh, ahead.
0: I was just gonna say I do think the Moses Lake temple's a little bit generic. Like I do like the spire on the top, but there's a lot of temples that are following that kind of Similar design kind of look. and it's not crazy unique. And The Washington County one, yeah, it could be anywhere. It's huge. I'm actually surprised they still just went with the name Washington County, Utah Temple. I thought that was going to be kind of a working name for it, and then they'd give it a more formal name once we came to that, but that's what they're going to call it, which is kind of boring as far as temple names go. A little bit boring. Because the St. George Temple is also in Washington County. Like, they serve the same area, But, but they're nice. It's fun to get temple renderings.
1: Mm. So there was also an article that mentioned how, or was, I think, kind of trying to make something out of this, of how um, we announced a lot of temples, but we're not necessarily keeping up with the pace of the construction to follow along with uh, it. Had lots it and lots of yes. graphs to go along with it. But there was sort of a little theory in there that President Nelson kind of wants to put his name to as many temples as he possibly can, which was, you know, maybe a little bit harsh. And also, is this a problem? Like, is it a problem that, like, we announce a lot of temples and then take a while to maybe get around to the groundbreaking? And I wanted to ask, actually, Jeff, do you know, like, what it takes for us to officially be able to announce the temple? Like, I'm assuming we need to own the property and then have, like, approval from the country and the local government but i i'm really not sure like at what point can we say yes we're definitely going to build a temple there like can you imagine if like shanghai came out of nowhere and the government was like um what so there's got to be some sort of a agreement going on
0: i think it totally depends on where it's going in like shanghai i think we talked about this last week on our conference recap I think that's probably the most extreme example of a temple that has likely had many of the details ironed out well in advance of it being announced, perhaps more so than almost any other temple. Because there's no way they're going to just announce one in China just for kicks and, kicks and giggles. And like the prophet's going to wink and be like, come on, challenge me, Shanghai. This is going to happen. Deal with it. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, At the same time, we've had temples announced in Utah uh like... Before when the Orem and Taylorsville temples were announced, and clearly the m- municipalities knew nothing about it because they—oh, really? They, well, they posted about it on Twitter or on like the city's Facebook pages up front. They're like, "Whoa, this is cool! We're excited to have a temple in Orem." Like that's all they know. The church probably does typically try to own the land in advance. Uh Sometimes they have announced temples though, even if they don't have the actual site chosen yet. But they might own various properties or they're sorting out. But there have been times we've announced temples. Um, and we don't know what we're going to like. We've announced the temple in Russia. That's been a couple of years now. And we've still yet to even identify where in Russia it's going to go. So who knows if we even own the land, let alone know which city is going to get the temple. So I don't I don't think there's a perfect. Uh, I don't think there's a perfect way to measure this one. I think the more complicated. I think when you're foreign. And by foreign, sorry, our global listener base. Sorry, if you're outside of the United States, for the most part, I think a little bit more goes into prep work before they announce one. I think if you're stateside, particularly in the western U.S., Intermountain, and especially in the Intermountain West, the church is more inclined to just say, we're going to build one. And then we just kind of roll it. But there's been temples we've announced before that haven't even been built. Like the Harrison New York Temple uh, was famously announced back in the 90s, I want to say. And then we never built it because it was supposed to be a temple that kind of served a lot of the Northeast, but then they built the temple in Boston, and then they built the temple in Manhattan, and it became a moot point, point. and now there's also a temple in Hartford, Connecticut. So, sometimes we even announce temples and they don't go anywhere. It's rare, but it does happen. Hmm. That's a good point. This article, I don't know if it has like a thesis, like you said, President Nelson's trying to put his his stamp on things. I think president Nelson's clearly is very temple driven, but it is at least interesting to note that in the past, there's been surges in temple announcements. There was the Hinkley era, of course the yeah. minis, but we did, but those were so hastily built. They've, we've had to rebuild them now because they were built so poorly. But even before that, back in the 80s, there was a stretch when uh, President Kimball or or President Benson announced what was then a significant number of temples at a time, and they built a lot of them. A lot of those are those, uh, what I like to call the stake center temples, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Like Chicago Chicago or Dallas or Frankfurt or the one in Manila. Um, So it varies. But lately, though, we have been announcing so many temples, averaging about eight per conference. But we are not breaking ground to keep pace with that, even though Elder Bednar did say we're going to break ground on 18 temples this year. He said that over the pulpit. So if that's the case, then we would be keeping up decently and we'd even actually catch up because then we'd be breaking ground on 18 temples when we're like announcing 16. So we
1: Did did he announce that this conference?
0: Mm -hmm. He just said it. He's kind of said it during his talk. He dropped it in there as a little factoid.
1: That sounds a little bit ambitious considering the current climate. Hmm. Okay, we'll see how that well, goes. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. We'll okay. See. Well
0: So okay, that's that's just great. That's just
1: last little bit is yeah. there's an article about the UAE welcoming the temple, which is basically some officials tweeted out that they were super excited for the temple to be coming and congrats to President Nelson for announcing it. That's kind of basically all that was, so I'm excited. I'm curious to see you know who the architect on this one will be and what that's really going to look like. Um, I can imagine lots of things. I feel like they'll
0: bring in an outsider. they've done this there's been temple there's been temples designed by non latter day saints,
1: yeah, I wonder what. Like, if there was any sort of specific stipulation or if they're trying to fit in with similar surroundings, which, to be honest, I don't really know how you fit into similar surroundings in Dubai because it's all kind of <laughs> um, unique, I guess yeah, we shall yeah. say, and quite different. So, I don't know. I kind of wonder if the government is going to want them to have something super flashy. Um You know, like the Grand Mosque, like in Abu Dhabi, that would be amazing. I mean, so I don't know. I'd be kind of curious to see if we, how much like Middle Eastern influence of architecture we kind of bring in and take in. I would love it if we have some really cool rugs inside. Just throwing that out there. So, I don't know if we get to the rug thing. I do think they're But we have fancy carpet. So like, why can't we just have a very subtle like cream and white kind of... Carpet with tassels going on, just just saying, it's possible. The
0: only reason, the only reason I think it might not happen is if that veers a little bit too close to Islam, and that you know, rolling out your rug for the call to prayer, which is a great part of their worship for oh, Muslims. But we have but carpet I anyways. I know. Well, that's what I am saying. Okay. We have carpet anyways. Carpet's one thing. I don't know if we'd have like the rug. I don't know if we'd want to go that far to to invoke Islamic style. Versus, like, Arabic style. But I'm with you. I mean, we've been trying to make temples that are more architecturally resonant. I don't know. And the mosques,
1: they have, like, um, these massive, massive rugs throughout the main area that are, like, they're supposed to be kind of, like, one continuous um, scene the way that they, um, they'll have like tons and tons of different women sewing on these different rugs. I think it would be really cool if we were to be able to incorporate something like that that wasn't in any way sort of disrespectful. I'm not too sure that it would be, but, um, I'm not on this project. So I would, I don't know. I'm just curious to see what they come up with on that one. I think obviously Shanghai is going to be pretty mellow and not, um, have the opportunity to, you know, taken some Chinese heritage for their temple. I think that one's going to be pretty much
0: looks like just what, a ward could, building. But, what if they took their cues from the Hong Kong building? Which, which?
1: I don't even know that they're, I didn't even really get the impression that they, they would be building a new temple, like an actual new building. It kind of just seems like there would be a section or like a couple of different rooms you know maybe just rent it out like of a regular meeting house that they already are meeting in and those are just dedicated and set aside i don't get the I, impression I the that imp- they're going to build a actual building i got the
0: impression they were going to build a mixed use building kind of like hong kong that's what i assumed but hmm.
1: okay well happy to be proven wrong i'd love to see I, what they are able to actually do but i wondered if they were going to keep that quite secretive
0: if they make the united arab emirates temple look like the Washington County, Utah temple. (laughs) Then we revolt everyone. That is just messed up. That is just messed up.
1: Yeah. I hope we come up with something really. I think we will. The
0: the temple design in Bangkok is pretty cool. The temple design in Cambodia is gorgeous. Mm. The temple design coming up in India is also reflective of, uh, of that region and the history there. So I, yeah, I'm hopeful we'll get something cool. Even the temple announced in Brasilia and Brazil is awesome. I don't know if you've seen that one, but, uh, it evokes that like Gucci style of ma- Brazil's. Brazil is a masterpiece city. Well, it is. And Brazil is this master plan, like Gucci, masterpiece city. And it's cool they're making it blend in with that. Right. Uh, la- I think this is the last bit of temple news. Real quick, closer to my neck of the woods, the church did formally break ground on the um, Richmond, Virginia temple up in uh, about northwest of Richmond. So obviously, this is happening in the middle of the COVID outbreak, but it did have a quiet groundbreaking ceremony on April 11th to celebrate the official start of the project. Uh, I think it's still going to be slow going from there on out, but uh, at least it's happening. It's happening in Richmond folks. If coronavirus dies down soon, three ish years and we'll have a temple down South, which is super cool.
1: Um, I'm going to chow through some of our international news. Most of which um, to be fair. is. I'm just going to check my feed. I'm
0: going to look at, I'm going to look at Reddit.
1: Yeah, I figured. Tune out. Thank you. Most of it's, um, humanitarian related news, um, or the virus related news. So bear with me. But the first being that there was, um, a tropical cyclone Herald hit a lot of the Pacific Islands. So specifically like Vanuatu, Fiji and Tonga. And, um, from the reports. Oh, and also Solomon Islands. Sorry, I digress. Um, some Shameful. of the, ver- I know I didn't want to forget them. So there was some destruction, obviously, that's come across the island, still waiting for some reports. And the church is right there to help out in whatever way they can when they're able to kind of determine what help is needed. Um, and then there's a really cool story about this nurse in Nepal who, um, after she became like fully registered as a nurse, um and as a midwife she received some additional training through LDS charities and now she travels across like the rur- rural eastern part of the country training other nurses paramedics and midwives predominantly to help mothers and newborn babies um to be able to cut down some of that mortality rate so in those rural communities for every like 100,000 babies um for there's maybe like 500 either babies and or mothers who are um, not making it through that experience, which is really tough. So there was one like incredible story. I, I think this one is a good one for anyone who is interested to go and read that um she arrived like on the scene trying to help out one particular mother and daughter. And they, she clearly needed like an emergency C-section. Um, but they needed to go to a clinic that was further away and they were too poor to go this family. And so they kind of walked door to door. Um, I'm assuming that this is probably the father. And I think they had another child with them that were going around and asking for money and it just, they couldn't get enough too late. And the mother and the daughter or the mother and the child died. And, um, but someone had in the meantime, still called a helicopter for them to be lifted out to the clinic that they needed. And the family still had to pay for it anyways. It was just really, um, there's some tough stories. And I think really cool that we're able to be involved and hopefully helping out in that way. Um, onto our virus news, Australia, speaking of different <laughs> ways that we're testing out, like how to be involved. Um, Australia must have still had like a youth conference planned. I think it was in January and they postponed it thinking maybe they would go ahead and do it later. And then obviously things got a bit worse. So they went with a virtual youth convention, which included, I'm very curious how this actually worked out, but it included exercise classes, a service project, an Iron Chef cooking competition, trivia, live session of general conference, a devotional, and a dance all of which were hosted online through facebook or zoom i do not know how you are hosting a dance virtually any thoughts
0: i mean like ideally you know it's like dance dance revolution between the the kids anyway so you stand in front of your webcam with your arms outstretched (laughs) and 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 the, the person of the opposite sex does the same and you sway and then you talk and make awkward conversation and then ask her to wait for you
1: what color is your toothbrush? Ugh, so many. That is that, bad is
0: that really the small talk you made at dances? You talked about no color, Josie. No, and you, it, it's a miracle you got married so young. I don't it, know how it, this. Your game is phenomenal. It, it
1: it truly is. No, true true question I have been asked, and I just thought,
0: oh, this is just no. This is just never going to happen. Yeah, but then you met an Australian, and you said, "I'm sold."
1: Not at a dance. To be clear. Um, well, okay. Church
0: dances are the worst. <laughs> we can agree upon and that.
1: And yet right? I still went to so many of them.
0: I, always I hoping couple, they
1: would be better than the last.
0: Right after my mission, you know, you know, your are post-mission, you're on the prowl. No, no, you're I ready. don't know. As you know, Josie, from experience. Um, yeah, I went to a handful of dances because that's what what you do. trying to be social, find the ladies and stuff. But I just hated it so much. I hated one dance so much that I went into the chapel at the building and I just laid on the floor behind the pulpit and like put my headphones in. I did not, it was the worst dance ever. Why didn't you just leave? leave? I carpooled with a bunch of people that I didn't even want to be with. So it carpooled.
1: was. Rookie error. <laughs>
0: I didn't have my own car yet. I was fresh off the Mish. I sold my car when I went on my mission. I would have walked home. Anyways. I, it, was, it was far away. I couldn't walk walked home. This isn't Mesa where you can just like walk home from the chapel. I was 20 miles away from my house. Your arguments are not good ones. I don't Thank respect you. this.
1: I walked You're to welcome. and from church in Singapore and it's freaking what? hot here. So beat that <laughs> 20 miles. Good grief. Tell Call me when you show up to church in a pool of sweat. Anyways, I will. So, (laughs) yeah, you have children. That's actually probably not too far off the real truth. So, you're right.
0: July Um, in Virginia is a blessed month. Oh
1: man, super sweaty. So, um, the main thing I think with the international news that could be kind of cool is the main question that I've been asking is how is the church helping out? Because we had enough. We had quite a few of those announcements, like when the virus was. First, you know, pretty new and still mostly in China that President Nelson was sending off some medical supplies to China to help out. And then it kind of went quiet. And We haven't really I haven't heard much of what we've done since. Um and so there was one recent news um release that said that they were reviewing a bunch of different requests to see where they would be best used. And then um I actually just got a church email this morning when I woke up that was saying that we had assessed uh, – where's the number here? I think it was like something – We'd Assessed a bunch of different cases, it's and then like,
0: there's like 53 projects or something like that. 57. I feel like I saw 50,
1: 110 50, si-
0: sorry, 57 countries, not projects. Countries.
1: 57 countries, yeah. There we go. 110 COVID 19 relief projects in 57 countries. So, um, there's I think the one that's really quite cool is that uh, they gave the example of like the beehive clothing facilities, which make um. So our garments. So in Brazil, Mexico, Philippines, Paraguay, and Utah are all temporarily shifting their operations to, um, so masks and gowns instead for their local healthcare professionals and communities. Um, so obviously that's just going to be like local for those countries, but still, um, I'm sure all need it. And let's see, what else do I have? Um, we, or the church in San Antonio, Chile has donated, like one of their church buildings to become like a temporary hospital for patients with mild virus symptoms. So they can put in like 48 beds in the church building. Um, and interestingly, this building was also similarly provided during like one of the, or the 1985 earthquake um, in the country. So apparently we have a history of just kind of turning those over when needed in certain areas. So that's great. And yeah, we, that yeah, we provided a bunch of food from the Bishop's Central Storehouse to the Navajo Reservations and, like, the whole Southwest area. Um, This was kind of interesting because there were, like, a bunch of volunteers who were dropping off boxes of food to, like, some quite elderly people, but they made a very over-the-top emphasis of how, like, all care and protection was kind of taken. Um, So I think that that is quite good and also helpful. I'm really glad that we didn't just, like, forget some of those rural communities within our own country, especially, um, the reservations and I had one more here real quick. I really, yeah,
0: I love to see us What we're we're doing with our meeting houses. I think we're criticized often for not doing enough, especially like during normal times. Like, why aren't we running soup kitchens out of our buildings? Why aren't we doing more in the community? So at least in this, I think it's great that we're just straight up giving them over to COVID relief efforts. That's all.
1: I do think it's good. And it kind of made me wonder, okay, well, could we doing could we be doing this
0: more often or Well Exactly? Or it's like what everyone's been saying, everyone says let's go back to normal and we have to say, was normal good enough? Should we be reassessing how we did a few things yeah. before all this happened and maybe change who we are a little bit?
1: Yeah, I wonder if there um like if there are more countries that are really struggling with hospital beds, if like the they could see the example in San Antonio and just kind of follow suit because I mean, the churches are closed. Like they're just empty buildings at the moment. So, I mean, they maybe don't have like, I don't know, enough toilets as needed for that many people, if that's really like the concern. But if you're kind of all quarantined in there with the virus, that's probably, I don't know. I think it's possible. I think it's a good idea. Um, and and then I just, as the last thing, we just have another long list of other countries that we've helped out with, like Cambodia, Guatemala, um, Italy, Iran. I love to see Iran on there. I would love more details of what we were able to do if we were able to send. I imagine it's probably just sending supplies, but even still, I would like more details on that. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of like Southeast Asian countries and then Mongolia and some of like East Asia. So we're doing some good stuff. I just want more details on that. I'm always curious of like the creative ways that we're able to kind of jump in when needed. My monologue is over.
0: That was very good. Thank you for the World Roundup. Mm-hmm. Just the World Report, some might say between conference sessions. Uh, here's a little bit of news that I'm surprised just hadn't happened yet, especially when we had that deluge of of cancellations of everything, you know, a month or so ago, right, right before church got canceled. So five weeks ago, I guess. Uh, but the FSY for the Strength of Youth conferences in the U.S. and Canada that were scheduled for 2020 are postponed until 2021. Now, this is a bit of a – it's a big deal in general, but especially because FSY was replacing EFY – uh, as part of the new youth program. So this was the first year they were going to do all these things in a lot of places, but we're not going to do them. Understandably. So these were supposed to be five day events modeled after Brigham Young Universities, especially for youth conferences with classes, devotionals, dances, iron chef cook-offs, all that kind of thing for ages 14 and older.
1: What's with the but iron chef cook-off? When did this li- become a thing?
0: I was lying, Josie. I just threw that in there. Oh, for humor. okay. Sorry. And, uh, Anyways, it's not going to happen. So I feel like that's one of the last dominoes to fall in terms of planned church activities for 2020. So let's just hope that General Conference can happen like normal in October. Even if I kind of enjoyed the whole like low key thing that we did this time around, I
1: kind of think it's not. I think that we're you know maybe we can kind of go back to life as normal ish, but I don't know that we're going to get like big gatherings or spreading just an opinion and just some.
0: We should sell the it's conference feely,
1: center. Really? but yeah, there we go. Why isn't the conference center being used for beds? I'm just kidding. Amen um, for that. Uh,
0: another little bit of stuff where um, we, kind of, we should have talked about this during fast time, but a little article here out of the Daily Herald that says five other times an LDS prophet called for a worldwide fast. So January 1985, President Spencer W. Kimball. This was the first official one that happened because of the famine in Ethiopia from 1983 to 1985. So in January of 85, President Kimball invited all members to fast for the famine victims and raise money. The church raised $6 million. And the fast marked the beginning of what would become LDS Charities, because it took us until 1985 to create a charitable wing, which is a... Kind of a sad bit of trivia, I guess. But hey, we're doing it. That's all that matters. Also, November 1985, President Kimball. Once again, to fast for the people of Ethiopia and raise money for the famine effort. Then we jump 20 years to January 2005. And I'm sure you can imagine uh, what might have gone down here because of a certain uh, tsunami event in December of 2004. So uh, President Hinckley invited everyone to fast worldwide all around for tsunami victims and raise funds to help out with disaster relief because of the tsunami. And then March, 2020, (laughs) I like that it's the five times they've done it. So we've had two from President Kimball, the one from President Hinckley, and then March, 2020, Russell M. Nelson to fast for coronavirus. And then April, 2020, to make it seem like they happened far apart, but only because the calendar turned the page like two days later. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was... And to also fast once again for coronavirus. So those are the only five times it's happened. So really, we're looking at coronavirus, the Ethiopian famine, and uh, tsunami. and the tsunami. The Ethiopian famine was very, this must have been a very personal issue in some way for President Kimball, because I vaguely remember, I wasn't old enough then, you know, in 85 to remember it. But I remember Ethiopia being a thing in the news, even in the early 90s of this place that had like just I knew what a famine was by that point and that it was an issue in this part of the world. Like I remember that even as a young kid. So, uh, but it's
1: interesting, it's interesting
0: that they zeroed in on that though. Like, yeah, we, we never fasted for Darfur or, yeah, for, um, I, I other have those things. thoughts
1: too. But also it's interesting that that seems to have sparked the need for LDS charities. And even mm-hmm. still the main focus I would say of LDS charities is, um, poverty and hunger and so it seems like that's kind of the foundation that that was sort of built on. But I kind of, I kind of agree. Like there have been also loads of other tragedies and issues that we could have maybe started this a bit sooner. But well, hey, a, glad a, we a have really, it now.
0: A really interesting one to think about is I guess this was near the end of President Hinckley's life. So the he world probably, wars,
1: maybe? No, I'm just kidding.
0: Actually, no, 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 because. Well, back when we had just the whole the whole mess, the financial market meltdown. Yeah in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I'm surprised we didn't have a global fast during no, that. No, we focused we, on
1: we, self-reliance during that time. So we did no transition. Fasting.
0: <laughs> we transitioned church leaders then in early two thousand eight. But uh it's interesting. A couple of quick things. Uh here's a court case we mentioned some months ago on the show where basically a a plaintiff, Laura Gaddy, tried to sue, saying that She grew up believing in the church and the gospel and our doctrine and then became disenchanted with it after studying things and deciding it was false. But then she sued the church on racketeering claims, like that she had been defrauded as an individual because of this. But but a judge, uh, and he said, sorry, like this is a First Amendment issue. So U.S. District Judge Robert Shelby uh, agreed that like, there's no way to like prove that Jesus was resurrected three days after he died. Like how can we, we can't hold religious bodies that are have reasonable beliefs like this. Like obviously if you found some kind of legitimate scheme going on and I think there are member people who have left the church who would still argue there's a scheme even here. Um, anyway, th- this was basically thrown out of court at this stage, more or less saying like, sorry, you had this experience, but you can't sue the church over validity claims. And, like, that, that you were defrauded because of it. You just can't.
1: Hmm. Interesting it, seem, story. it seems very, like, connected to when the essays came out because she was quoting a lot mm-hmm. of the, the, quote, unquote, like, newer history that a lot of people felt like they didn't grow up with and then really struggled with when it was revealed that, you know, like – Joseph Smith looked into a hat to the seer stone instead of like, was directly translating from the plates at all times. Like, so I mean, I, I get, I get that complaint. I think it was a really, really common complaint. Um, and then there was also equally some people who were like, did you not know? So I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but I, I think I can at least sympathize with the feeling like, oh, I missed some of the key points in my in our yeah, church's history. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, clearly not worth suing over, but still
0: kind not, of a sad story. Not so much. Another sad story. Let's visit a man named, you know, good old Ammon Bundy. <laughs> I wrote Cliven Bundy in here. Cliven Bundy. Clive Bundy, of course, Marty Ammon laughed me. Father. If you remember, Cliven Bundy is the Nevada rancher who had this massive standoff with the federal government over grazing rights on federal land for his cattle. Ammon Bundy, his son, made even bigger waves in 2016 when they occupied a federal wildlife refuge with, with an armed occupation and refused to come out. He was later acquitted, which was nonsense, but he was acquitted, whatever. <laughs> now, Amon Bundy, this, this purveyor of freedom, this man who will not let anyone tell him what he can do with his life, is basically violating Idaho's stay-at-home order because he believes that's an affront to his personal liberties – And he's holding in-person meetings in the farming town of Emmett, Idaho, where he now lives. And they're essentially holding church. There was 60-odd people there recently. We had someone comment on our Facebook page with this story that this was a family gathering, which it was not. It was people from around the community who all think that they just shouldn't do this because it's... uh, The hilarious thing are some of the quotes from other people, politicians and the like, which aren't related to us specifically. But, uh, you know, who are these yahoos to tell us that we cannot meet together? So, everyone, if you're around Emmett, Idaho, don't. Just don't. If you're around Emmett, Idaho, just do not be around Emmett, Idaho. The story makes me tired. Shape or form. Avoid it because everyone there is going to get sick. Emmett, in case you were you on, you'd think this would be happening like in eastern Idaho. Like you you hear about this stuff, a lot of Latter-day Saints, it might be out by somewhere by Rexburg, Idaho Falls, out there, right? Uh, no, Emmett is north of the Boise metropolitan area, over the mountain yonder hey. from Meridian and Nampa and all that. Okay, and but that's, some of the quotes... The sweet actions.
1: Some of the quotes in this article just... They're gold. ...are so... (laughs) Like this representative, Heather Scott.
0: That's the one I wasn't going to read because it's not part of our faith. But go ahead, Joe.
1: Oh, but... Okay, but... All right.
0: No, no, go ahead. (laughs) Let's get on Heather Scott's case. I think it's good.
1: All right, the lying Trump-hating had media who continues to push global and socialist agendas has told us that there is an emergency. Quite frankly, I don't know why Idaho is falling in line with some of the most liberal governors across the nation. Obviously, this is referring to, like, why you need to stay at home. But I just, okay, so you don't agree with your fellow governors, but, like, has she not read any international news? Does she not suspect that maybe this is bigger than Idaho or uh, the you U.S.? Have,
0: you have to remember, though, the singular. Lady. There's a singular mentality of you know we're not. It's it's not about the rest of the world. You know, it's about me. It's about my community. It's about the uh, delight. We don't we, we don't have a larger a larger social responsibility. And while I don't know if she's a Latter Day Saint, I do think it's worth noting that in in oh, general yeah, I have no idea. And, and, And in other publications of late, we have been told to be good global citizens from our own church leaders. And that's a term that's loaded for many. Talk about being global citizens as opposed to American citizens. Um, So I'd just like to remind everybody that your own church leaders are using the phrase and reminding us that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of where these these little lines are drawn that tell us we're from different countries and under different jurisdictions. I don't think that... uh, the Lord cares a ton about the borders that man has drawn up when it comes to it. So just remember yeah. that we're, we and have I'm a social not- responsibility.
1: I I agree, and I'm not Good. trying to bring her up to get all political and such because I'm sure that not everyone appreciates that. But Whatever. more so, just like I I actually didn't know that this opinion existed that uh, <laughs> so I, I was anyone felt this way I was quite surprised that there were, could be such animosity towards you know I've been told to stay in home so that I don't get sick I don't know yeah
0: that's fair okay well well, you know, folks, you know what you should do. We ended up on a about? sour note. <laughs> you shouldn't be surprised that you can support us on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Mormons, and pledge $2 a month to help us keep the lights on. That's what I'm talking about. You should go and do that right now. And also leave us a review on iTunes or maybe Google. I think iTunes is the only one that allows reviews. Regardless, review us love us, we will love you back and please join us at thisweekinmormons.com contact at thisweekinmormons.com for your feedback, questions, insights etc etc and on Facebook, all those good places we thank you very much for taking the time to join us this week, we're going to play you out with the song Your Love by Elder Justin Warnick everybody, so we hope you're enjoying this sweet jam from his new album Moving On which has been available everywhere for a year and a half, good job Elder Warnick Josie, thank you very much for being here with us Thank you. Listen to this groove. I am loving this stuff. All right, folks. Twim is out. Be well, be holy, and be happy. It's late into the night, staring at the sky. She looks at him again, and this is what she said. I don't want to stay, don't want to stay here alone. I just wanna let you know I don't wanna take, I don't wanna take from you I just wanna save, I just wanna save your love I don't wanna take, I don't wanna take from you I just wanna save, I just wanna save your love I don't wanna take, I don't wanna take from you I just wanna save, I just wanna save your love